1: Today we're going to look at Galatians chapter 5, verses 16 through 18, and these verses are incredibly powerful. That's why we're only looking at three of them, because they give us clarity as to how the Christian life is lived and what the options really are for us. You know, one of the things I really dislike about the whole religious community is that we use words, but we rarely stop to think about what they mean. And when we use words repeatedly, we just kind of assume we know what they mean. But when we talk about what it is to live the Christian life, what it is to walk in the truth, what it is to live by faith, these are not things that we pulled out of the lyrics of a hymnal. These are literally the pathway of life. And we're going to talk about that in depth. The choices are real simple. The enemy always wants you to believe that the Christian life is complicated, full of variables, that it's easier to lose life than actually live life. Yet Jesus made it very, very simple because he knew he was dealing with sheep, right? Everyone must choose between two sources. A man will either live from the flesh or he will live from the Spirit. We live from one or the other. But in reality, only one of them is life, no matter how we delude ourselves. Christian, before you were born again, you were enslaved to the appetites of the body. You were under the dominion of the enemy. You defined life by your externals and your body. Your nature, and to a large degree, your nurture, affirmed this definition. And every day, every day you would wake up and you would look around... Open your eyes and look around at what you believe to be your life. And if you allow that momentum to carry you through the day, you will be defining life by what you see, what you hear, what you feel, what's going on around you, the perceptions of the flesh. Before Christ, you walked according to the flesh because your definition of life was in the body. It was good or bad, depending on what you experienced in the body. Until the Spirit of God revealed your need to you, you walked in darkness with only an an external and possibly religious understanding of God. Now, you might have known about God. You might even have been aware of what Jesus did, that he died for your sins. But you did not understand how Christ could be life to you. Now, this can be said of the lost person, but it can also be said of a lot of Christians. They don't have a full understanding of how Christ intended to give them more than just salvation at the cross. Until the Spirit of God revealed your need to you, you walked in darkness with that dark understanding of who God is. And then one day, the Spirit of God gave you a revelation that you needed a Savior. And he opened your eyes, and you received Christ as Savior. And many of us, myself included, thought that once we received Christ as Savior, our sinning would be all but eliminated. And now Jesus would give us the power to overcome temptation. We were shocked to find that most of the weaknesses we had before were still around, and still found ourselves falling short. We would ask others, how do we live this Christian life? And of course, they'd be happy to tell us, but the unfortunate thing is that most of them were struggling in the same way we were. So we ended up with definitions of how to live the Christian life that were nothing but frustrating to us. How many of us have filled notebook after notebook on how to live the Christian life, but it never found, <laughs> we never found any victory in it? The truth of the matter is that the Christian life is easier than we think, yet harder than we believe. The Christian life, we think, when we look around, we thought, when we looked around as as new Christians, we thought the Christian life was easier for everybody else, at least that's what I used to think. It must be easier for everybody else because I'm having such a hard time of it. I must be spiritually handicapped in some way. I can't seem to carry it off the way a sister so-and-so or brother so-and-so seems to be carrying it off. And all the while, the problem was that we had not yet discovered that we had been given a life, a new life. That we had a new source to draw life from. So we continue to, to define life the same way the lost do. We just believe that now we had Jesus as our Savior and he would help us live a better life by helping us to overcome temptation and the enemy and that he would protect us when we asked him to and bless us if we lived right. And one day we'll all go to heaven. What a day of rejoicing that will be. Does that describe the way you live? Because it sure describes the way I used to live. We've been given a new life, and though we may not have understood what that means, the truth of it is that it is ours to live now as you choose to live it by faith. We have life, and God does not define life by the body. He defines life by the spirit. And a spirit that has not been birthed out of his spirit is dead to God. It cannot know God. And though we still possess the same body, and we still have the same mind, will, and emotions, our soul, we have a new master. We have a new life that is our source for these things. The Christian life, or the Christ life, is now ours to live. But we must choose to walk by faith and submit our soul and body to the Spirit of God. We're alive to God through the resurrection life of Christ that has made us new creations. Paul writes in Galatians, Galatians chapter 6, verse 15, he writes, For neither is circumcision anything of importance, Nor uncircumcision, but only a new creation, which is the result of a new birth, a spiritual transformation, a new nature in Christ Jesus. We're not saved by externals. We're new creations. This is unchangeable. It's an eternal truth for us. Our lives are not in the body. Now, Paul has been writing to prove to the Galatians that they were no longer under the law. The issue was not whether or not the law was good or bad. That's not the question. God gave Israel the law so that they would be able to see sin in its proper context and so that they would have a standard to live by. It was never intended to make them righteous. It was intended that it might reveal that transgression of the law was a transgression against a holy God. You see, God had to place it in context of himself. Otherwise, they just look at sin as a, you know, as, a, as a bad idea. They never look at it in its proper context. And what God says is, sin is you acting apart from me. That's what sin is. Sin's not just a bad idea. It's you rejecting who I am. It's you rejecting the fullness of who I am. It's you believing that somehow you could live separately or apart from me. Even though you are a creature that's held together by my power. So Paul had been writing the Galatians and he'd been trying to prove to them that they were no longer under the law. And they were not really receiving it. And here's the thing about the law. The law is a yoke for the flesh. That's what it is. It's a yoke for the flesh. It's not a way to righteousness. It's a yoke for the flesh. And the yoke for the flesh is no longer needed for those who are no longer of the flesh. Now that is the best way to describe the fact that we're no longer under the law. It's not about whether you're Jewish or you're Gentile. It's about who you are. And by virtue of the fact that your life is in Christ, you are not harnessed to the law. However, you want to define the law. We are new creations. We are spiritual beings. We are eternal beings with eternal life. And we should no longer count ourselves as temporal. The body is clothing for the spirit and will one day return to dust. We are empowered to live from the inside out. We were not created for the works of the flesh. We bear the works of the spirit. Like in Galatians five twenty two and 23, it says, But the fruit of the Spirit, the result of His presence within us is unselfish concern for others, joy, inner peace, patience, not the ability to wait, but how we act while waiting, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, and against such things there is what? No law. Why? Because the law doesn't produce those things. That's why. The law doesn't... Against those things, there is no law. The law doesn't produce those things. The Spirit of God does. Paul is calling the Galatians back to the reality of the new birth. We're not made for an external code. The code condemns. It is given to reveal the weakness of flesh. And Christ fulfilled the law and paid the penalty for the sin of man... And now there is no condemnation for those of us who have spiritual life in Christ. The flesh will never measure up, no matter what standard it seeks to live to. As a new creation, all that is contrary to the Holy Spirit is contrary to the way you are made. Now, the enemy works real hard in convincing me that my sin is who I am. That it is the fruit of my creation. But in reality, sin is a contradiction to who I am. And it is not produced by the Spirit. Sin is the fruit of the flesh. Now you say, well, Pastor, why are you going on and on about that? Because it is... Vitally important as a child of God that you learn the truth of your new life. And if you still have it somehow hitched to the flesh, you are walking in carnality off and on. You're living in it. Because the flesh has nothing to do with your spiritual life. Neither the behavior of the flesh, nor the fruits of the flesh, I don't care how religious they are. Because if man can produce it, then it's not of God. We are not clothed in flesh in order that we can somehow make the flesh righteous. We're clothed in flesh so that the righteousness of Christ can be manifested through it. The truth of who God is could be manifested through it. Religion says you need to discipline your flesh to be righteous. No, no. You need to conform your flesh to the righteousness of Christ, who is your righteousness. Clothe yourselves in the righteousness of Christ. He's saying, put it on, live in it, walk in it. The Judaizers that invaded the Galatians churches invited the Galatians back into the flesh as their source. Because the Galatians had a, and this is the truth of it, because the Galatians had a greater acquaintance with walking in the flesh, apart from faith, it was an easy conversion for them. You think that because you can so easily flip into the flesh, that the flesh is who you are. That's what the enemy wants to convince you. There's two different types of Christians in here. One, like myself, was saved at a very early age. Didn't really understand all that I got in salvation, but I was saved at age nine. So, you know, that was pretty early. And at that point, I thought, you know, you you signed on the policy and that was it, and you got it all, you know, you, everything's there. But it used to frustrate me that I couldn't live to the Christian image. And eventually, after frustration and frustration, I figured, A, I either don't know what I need to know, or B, I'm not capable of it, right? And I went from being a newly saved Christian to being a practicing religious person to the degree that I was capable of it. But all the while walking according to, not in, but according to the flesh. I have years of living in the church environment according to the flesh. And years of practicing what was right. According to the flesh. Knowing the Bible. According to the flesh. I wish I had a dollar for every man-centered sermon I've heard, or even man-centered lesson that I've taught. Years living this way. Now that's where a lot of us as Christians came from. We have more acquaintance with walking according to the flesh than we do in the truth of walking according to the Spirit. Right? The other side of it is those people who walk according to, that become Christians later in life, but really haven't yet understood the truth of it. So they have all of this history behind them of living from the flesh. So they're not as religious as you are, right? So they have all this history of doing what they want to do, living the way they want to live, and now they've become a Christian, and God is guarding them, the Spirit of God is guiding them, but th- what they're battling is a little bit different than what you're battling. You're battling the, the religious presumption that you are somehow living in a, in a way that's acceptable unto God, and so therefore, you're a good Christian. What they're battling is shifting back into who they were. You see? It's a different battle, but it's the same. It's exactly the same. Why? Because both of them are tempted to live according to the flesh, apart from the Spirit of God. Paul is calling on them to walk away. Now, when the Judaizers came in, they invaded the Galatian churches, and they invited them to to go back again to the flesh as their source. And because the Galatians had this history of living to their flesh, because they were saved later in life, most of them, they embraced a law-grace mix that made the works of the flesh essential to salvation. The yoke of the law made sense to the Galatians. Why? Because they had no long-term experience of living by faith. So in order to prove out who they were to God in themselves, to affirm, it sounds really good. You know, the Lord is really going to be pleased with you if you can make Monday night visitation, go down to the market and lead three or four people to the Lord. I mean, it's in the Bible that we should be evangelists. Now, it all sounds real good. You need to evangelize. You need to memorize. You need to do all of these things. You know, you can lay it on It all sounds. Why does it sound so good to us? Why does it sound so inviting to us? Well, first and foremost, because you have a new heart that seeks to be righteous. It falls right in line with the desire of your heart to be righteous, but not the method. Not the method. So the Galatians disregarded what Paul taught them about who they are in Christ and sought righteousness through obedience to the law. Now, when you're battling daily temptations of the flesh and dealing with the weaknesses and the failings of the flesh, it's easy to forget who you are, isn't it? I mean, it can happen five minutes after you wake up, right? Or it can happen right after you wake up. It's hard to believe that God has made you a new and righteous creature, living in union with the Spirit of God. And faith in the truth becomes a challenge. And we forget that faith that is not challenged is no faith at all. So we constantly complain at God about being challenged, being provoked. Well, Lord, why don't you eliminate all these things that are challenging my faith? Because we live this life by faith, and you wouldn't know your God apart from faith. Think about that. You wouldn't know him at all. It's easy to forget who you are. It can be hard to believe. It can be hard to walk the way of faith. I'll remind you of Hebrews 11.1. 1. Now faith is the assurance, title deed, confirmation of the things hoped for, divinely guaranteed, and the evidence of things not seen, the conviction of their reality. Faith comprehends as fact What cannot be experienced by the physical senses. You see, faith makes no sense to the flesh. Anytime that you are filled with unbelief, or you're doubting the presence or the work of God, you have shifted your walking from walking according to the Spirit to walking according to the flesh, because the flesh is the birthplace of unbelief. There's no room for faith in the flesh, and I'll go with you one better. There's no room for faith in the law. So the, the Galatians moved out of walking according to the Spirit, or in the Spirit. Actually, that word by that you might see in your translation doesn't even exist in the original language. So it's in the Spirit. They move from walking in the Spirit as new creations in Christ to walking by or according to, because it's not who they are, the flesh, which says, I will act out what I believe I need to be. But I will never believe it's who I am. Faith makes no sense to the flesh. So we begin to look for ways to prove our flesh that we can be righteous and holy. In order to do that, we'll often embrace the law, won't we? It's easy for the carnal Christian to accept the obligation of the law because we were created with a heart for righteousness. It's our heart to walk upright. If you're a child of God, that is your heart. It is your desire. But the enemy takes what God placed in you to affirm the truth in you and turns it into an object that creates doubt for you. Because he points to the contrast between your behavior and your heart. And he says, the behavior is who you are. The heart is the conviction of the Holy Spirit. Now, I'm not saying that the Spirit of God doesn't convict us. I am saying that the conviction of the Holy Spirit proves who we are, not proves who we were. Do you understand what I mean by that? The conviction of the Holy Spirit doesn't prove us to be this old man that we were. It doesn't prove that we're not changed. It doesn't prove that we're a failure as a Christian. It doesn't prove that God is is not pleased with us. It doesn't prove any of those things. It proves God's heart for us is what it proves. And it's the Holy Spirit not saying, hey, get your act together. It's the Holy Spirit saying, turn, repent, move from that Focus, move from that determination to walk in your flesh and see the life that you've been given and embrace it and live it and walk in it. Because the Spirit of God is not about laying condemnation. There is no condemnation. We have a new heart. Ezekiel chapter 11, verses 19 and 20. God speaking and he says, I will give them one heart, not a divided heart. There's no duality here a new heart, and I will put a new spirit within them. You needed a new spirit because the one you had was dead to God. It was dark. It was practically useless. It was useless. And I will take that stony, unnatural, hardened heart out of their flesh, and I will give them a heart of flesh, sensitive and responsive to the touch of their God. Why? Why would you do that? That they may walk in my statutes, and keep my ordinances, and do them. And they shall be my people, and I will be their God. That you may be able to live in the freedom of obedience. You would be able to have the code as your character, rather than written externally and imposed upon you. That is why he gave you a new heart. He gave you a new heart so that you could be something. Altogether pleasing for him. So that you could desire what he desired. So that you could delight in what he delights in. So that you could grow in your love for him. And y'all could grow God. And you could grow in your communion one, one with another. So because you embrace the same things. Because you love the same things. Not that you're equal with God. But you as his child long for him. Jesus is the standard of the law. And the standard has been written in you. It is fulfilled in who you are. Not in your flesh. It's fulfilled in who you are. Give that to the devil. Put that in your pipe and smoke it. That's the truth of it. It is not walking according to the flesh. Faith is reckoning on the righteousness of Christ. Faith is walking according to the Spirit. You have the same choices that the Galatians did, and it's not one time, but we make that determination on a continual basis. The more you seek to live your version of the Christian image, the less faith you will employ, the less you will walk according to the Spirit. The more you define Christian liberty by your freedom to live out of your flesh, the more you will walk according to the flesh.
0: Thank you for joining us for His Life Revealed with Pastor Todd Granger. This program is the radio ministry of His Life Fellowship in San Antonio, Texas. If you'd like to know more about us, visit us on the web at hislifeministries.org or on Facebook at His Life Fellowship. We would love to have you join us for worship. We meet on Saturdays at 5 p.m. at 1307 Blanco Woods at the corner of Blanco Road, and Blanco Woods, just inside Loop 1604. Also, if you would like to help support this ministry, you can send your tax-deductible donation to His Life Ministries, P.O. Box 1894, Bernie, Texas, 78006.